Hey, Chris Manning here from the Locked on Cavs podcast with my guy, Danny Cunningham from ESPN 850 and WKYC. He's stepping in today for Evan. We're getting to LeBron's return, Darius Garland's upside, and Karis LeVert so far with the Cavs. Let's get into it. Cavs need a three. Sexton works on Irving, trying to get loose. He'll fire. Hey! Knocks it down! Ground. Here goes Okoro to the bucket, and oh my! Okoro throws it down. Ten seconds to go. Here comes Colin Sexton. Sexton chased by Hill off to Stevens. Oh my! 45 ticks to go. That shot yes. is blocked by Nance. Get that big stuff out of here. Prince knocks down that hard and pass. Garland's there. Garland upstairs for Allen. Oh, look out! There you go. That's called team ball right there. First, I want to thank you for making Lockdown Cavs your first listen every day. Remember, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Danny, what's up, buddy? How are you? I'm good, Chris. How's it going, man? It was. Great. I gotta say, it was great to see you and Evan last night. Yeah, it, it was. It was nice to see you. It was nice to. It was. You know, it was good that that environment was lively. I. I. A. You had. A. You. Look. I'm, you know, I, th- I think you know this. You have the best shoe game in the Cleveland basketball media. Like, it's not close. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate I mean, you, that. You know, it, you got the hoops it doesn't compare to what LeBron was able to wear on Monday night at the game. Oh, I, but just, I wanted to wear I wanted to wear something cool, too. I meant to put this up, but uh, these are these are nuts that he wore those. Oh, so cool. So cool. And like the little nod, like the first game that he wore them in the first playoff game. That guy, showman, LeBron James, a an expert showman, if nothing else. Truly. And he put on a show last night, or Monday night, Chris. Yes. Yeah, so this is what we're going to talk about. We're going to start with LeBron. We're going to transition to uh, Darius Garland because Danny has Danny is all in on DG. And then we're going to talk about Karis LeVert, who uh, I'm a little, a little less keen on at this very moment. But Danny, let's start with LeBron. You wrote about him for WKYC. I will link that below for people to listen uh, to, or to, to go and read rather, but what what did you make of the whole environment we we saw with him kind of at the center of it on, on Monday night? You know, I thought it was really interesting because LeBron throughout his career has obviously come back a number of times, whether it be as a member of the Miami Heat, where he would be back once or twice a year, depending on how the schedule worked out, or as a member of the Lakers, where he makes an annual trip to Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. He's played hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of games at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, formerly the Q, formerly the Gun, whatever. And last night was the first time, or Monday night, I should say, was the first time that LeBron was a visitor at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse and he was on the worst team, where the Cavs were a better team than the one that he was on. That has never happened before because think back to his days in Miami, the Cavs stunk. They were terrible. Awful. You think back to even... LeBron's first couple years in LA here, the Cavs also not very good while the Lakers were better than the current state of the Los Angeles Lakers right now. So I thought that was really interesting, but to see LeBron be able to tap into what LeBron still has was also incredible. And Chris, I I couldn't help back to think, and this is kind of how I finished off my column today. I couldn't help but feel a little bit for what it was like for Raptors fans, you know, in the, the 2017, the 2016 season, 2018, they won 59 games, got the one seed, get swept. Or Atlanta fans, they won, they won 60 games in 2015, get swept. And then they come back the next year, Jeff Teague hits a jumper in the first quarter of game one, 
screams out, not this year, and then they get swept again. Yeah. Or the Boston Celtics, who in, in 2015, they were the seventh seed. They knew what was going to happen. They were going to lose. But 2017, they, they have a magical season, win, I believe, 54 games, get the one seed. They're down by 50 at home in the conference finals. 2018, LeBron carries Marcus Morris like a backpack to win game seven. Just what those moments were like for those fan bases. I kind of think last night was the first time that the Cavs fan base has ever felt anything like that. And I know it's on a much smaller scale because, listen, it's just a regular season game in March, but that game had meaning to the Cavs. That's a bad loss for the Cavs, and there's no other way to frame it. But watching LeBron do that was simultaneously one of the coolest things I've seen and also has to be incredibly painful for Cavs fans. Yeah. I mean, watch watching him being on a in that environment with it was a game that had weight, dude, right? Like the Cavs are in like all of these guys. Kevin Love is like really the only guy that has gone through I mean, Jared Jared has to some extent, but he's out right now. Jetty was on that last title team, but like didn't play very much. These are they are going through this ringer for the first time, right? Like they're going through. You games could say Karis LeVert too. Yeah, like but yeah, too. Like yeah, that's right. Him and uh, him and him and Jared on those Kenny Atkins Brooklyn teams. We'll, we'll get to him because he that those Kenny Atkins and Brooklyn teams matter in, in my Karis LeVert takes in in this current very moment. I can't wait. They're 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 going through it, right? Like they're going through some of this. It's why I think Thursday's game against Toronto is so going to be so cool for them because even if that is not. Because of COVID stuff, because I don't, I don't think they even have fans back at this point. I could be wrong about that because things are a little bit different in Ontario than they are in the United States, and particularly in, in Ohio. Like these are games with weight. These are games that have a lot of tension to them. And LeBron coming back when you, uh, even if he's on a worse team, and you have to navigate what he's bringing, and like the like it was, it was almost like a partisan LeBron crowd. Really, the amount of LeBron jerseys that were yeah. around, LeBron's Lakers jerseys in particular, like some LeBron Cavs jerseys. Um, some St. Vincent Mayor jerseys, but mostly LeBron number six Lakers jerseys, which was was notable. It, and there was a guy um, not far from me in earshot of Media Row who was like saying, "You can't stop him!" and uh, was just screaming the whole game. And I and understand he was it. right. He was right, but it was like watching LeBron against a Cavs team that is good and maybe you know not at full strength right now, all of that stuff. But like he just picked like the whole second half was to me was the, the fourth quarter really was defined. By him saying, Lowry Marketing, I know I can ruin you every time I, I I'm gonna manipulate you. It's not even going at him one on one. It was I'm either gonna get you one on one and just blow by you because you have no shot against me when you give me that you know a couple inches of space, or I'm gonna use you to create space so Evan Mobley can't come over and help and I can get a, a good look for someone else or she'll just drive to the room clean. Like it was just like, oh shit, this guy can still do this. This guy can still just come in and ruin your night. It was a masterpiece, and, and Chris, he's 37 years he's, old. This is year 19, he, and he's like, he's not he's, supposed to be able to do this. No, and it's like, it's like, I understand, this is, this is, I understand if, like, some people, and we'll see what he looks like at, like, 40 or whatever happens, like, it, that is so far in the future. Stuff changes all the time here, right? Sure. But it's like, you look at that, and it's like, that that guy is so gonna, that guy, I believe it till the day that he retires, is going to be providing something for teams that are trying to win at the highest level. And it's yeah. about like how you support him and how and how you you manage all that. And like it's like the Lakers didn't support him in that way this year. And it's like you can just like you can just like picture him be doing some of that stuff and being like, ah, yes, this this would help if, if that comes back. But it also I, th I think in the now I JB, I think coming on and being like, we got sucked into the moment. These guys like got sucked in. That feels right to me. Like that also is like you have to. This is, I think, part of growing up. If you're a Cavs team that has Darius Garland has said publicly like, it's cool that we're doing something without LeBron. It is cool that we are doing this without him. I think 
that is, even if not everyone has said that, I'm sure there is some good feeling of it. I would love to get Kevin Love's, you know, unvarnished thoughts about that, obviously, because he has kind of the closest connection to those LeBron years. Yeah, it, it would. It's there is just like, OK, this feels like one of those games where LeBron is like is it that was a lesson for them as much as it was a, as a show for a showcase for LeBron. I would agree. And I think, Chris, that's one of the reasons why I think it's so important for this Cavs team to avoid the play in mm-hmm. and stick at that six seed because. At this point, it's unfair to have real expectations for them once they're actually into the playoffs. But you very, very, very rarely see teams that don't have to take their lumps in the playoffs. And last night, obviously, was just a regular season game in March. But it was still a growing moment. And the Cavs are going to need more of those growing moments. And the more that they can get this year, the better. That's why I I do think getting that sixth seed and eventually losing in the first round to whether it be Milwaukee or Philadelphia – or if whoever else could sneak up into three, that's important because it's going. that experience is going to matter. Just like Monday night's experience matter. Going up against LeBron, where LeBron is right now obviously not in his peak form, but for what LeBron is... He, and he, might, and he was, might still be first team All-NBA. Like, he might still be first or second yeah, team All-NBA. I think he's, he should be. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. he's currently the scoring leader in the NBA. He's averaging... 30 points per game, but the Cavs saw playoff LeBron last night. Yeah. That, that isn't, that wasn't, that's what separates it from a regular season game. And the environment didn't really, because it was a mixed crowd where you had a lot of LeBron fans there. And listen, I can't blame you if you're a LeBron fan. I, hell, I am. I'm going to be a LeBron fan until the day I die for what he did for the city, what he's been able to accomplish on the basketball court, just all of that. That matters to me which was a huge reason I wanted to go last night because, and he talked about it in the post game. I don't know how many more times he's going to play at rocket mortgage field house. I had to be there in person to watch it. And every time he's back there, I'm going to be there watching because I don't know how many more chances I'm going to get, but the Cavs got the chance to learn and to grow from it last night. I I think that's a really good thing for them in the long run, but man, it was, it was one hell of a show that he put on. It it really was. Yes. Just a note on the playoff seedings as we're recording this, they obviously will play Toronto on Thursday and that will have a direct standings impact on what is going to happen on the stretch right now. Basketball references playoff probabilities report has a kids with 30% in the five seed 30 to get the five seed and 39.2% to get the six seed, just 11.6% for the seven seed with just a mere 5.3% to slide down to eight. So they're in a good spot. It's about finishing the year, these last like 10 games, because it's going to come quick and it's yeah. going gonna, gonna to get this. All right, after the break, we're going to turn to Darius Garland, who like had an incredible performance. Lest, lest we forget, he had what, like 17 assists and one turnover against the Lakers. And it just didn't matter because LeBron kind of took over that game. We're going to talk about him and where he's at and where he's going. But first, going to tell everyone about our friends at Price Picks. All right, NBA fans, are you looking for a daily fantasy option for the NBA? Then you need to try the award-winning app, Price Picks. Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. All you do is pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can up to 10 times on any entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. PrizePix is safe and offers fast withdrawals. All you need to do is use the award-winning app, available both on the App Store and Google Play. PrizePix offers a variety of options, including any prop you can think of from points scored to rebounds and even steals. It also offers mixed sports entries, and they don't just offer NBA. They also have options for college basketball, college football, NFL, MLB, soccer, MMA, and more. For a limited time, PricePix has an exclusive no-brainer offer for Locked On Cavs listeners. Users get $50 free if a player in your first PricePix entry scores a single point. 
but you have to use the code NBA. That's right. That's an exclusive offer available to lockdown listeners. Sign up today. Use the code NBA for $50 free if a player in your first price picks entry scores a single point. All right, Chris Manning here with Danny Cunningham from ESPN850 and WKYC Channel 3 here in Cleveland. Danny, you have a Darius Garland take that I I have been thinking about since you said it. Uh, why don't you unleash it, and we'll, we'll, we'll unpack it from there. So I think next year Darius Garland is going to be an all-NBA player. I, the growth that he has shown throughout this season, I, this guy is he's no longer a star in the making, Chris. He's a star. That's, that's what he is. I think it, it – and listen, some of this is a little swayed because we don't know what the world's going to look like where if Kyrie Irving's available to play in every game this year, we're, we're talking about him as, as an All-NBA player because he's fantastic when he's on the floor. If James Harden doesn't blow up another team, we're talking about him as an All-NBA player. But Darius Garland is very quickly approaching that level of player where if you, you looked up at the scoreboard last night, and I know he didn't have a great fourth quarter, but through three quarters – 25 points, 15 assists, one turnover. Like that stuff is not normal, but he's made it normal. Since the All-Star game, I think he's at like 26 and 12 in his past 11 games, and that's coming off a back injury. He's been fantastic, and this is the guy the Cavs drafted. This is what they thought when when he was coming out of Vanderbilt, and he only played five games as a freshman before going into the draft, and you kind of had to give him a pass for his rookie year. But I really think that, one, he's going to get the max this summer as – he very, it's, very, it, very if, well if, should. If he, it, honestly, like, there's no reason. Honestly, I, I understand if people look at this one year as like a little small sample or whatever, and they get a little dicey about that. He's getting the max. He's going to deserve it. And you would expect him to continue to grow based on what we've seen this year. Like, it has been such yeah. a massive leap. And we've seen him continue to grow. And this is, you're 100% right. It's been a massive leap. I think that there's another leap there because I think that his shooting numbers are only going to continue to get better. We've already seen his playmaking where we would see flashes before in his first couple years in the league, and now it is just off the charts crazy good. We're going to see that continue to stick at that level. But would it surprise you if two years from now, Chris, Darius Garland is a guy that's 50, 40, 90, averaging 11 assists a game? No. It wouldn't stun me. I'm not saying that he's going to be in the MVP conversation. Hell, I'm not saying he's even going to be their best player in two or three years because Evan Mobley, this, his ceiling is higher. But Darius Garland's going to be an all-NBA player. I think it could happen as soon as next year. Here, here are her, here's post-All-Star numbers. 11 games. He's playing 39.7 minutes a game, which is crazy. Crazy. That, that's a bit too high. I, I'd like to I, see that. But I, they don't have any other ball handlers, and Karis LeVert missed a, a chunk of that time. Yes. Uh, Darius Garland and Evan Mobley – and Jared Allen deserve like long, just like ice baths when the season is done. Yeah, just a lot, a lot of recovery, some sauna time, just some foam rolling, just really get those bodies right over the summer. Twenty six point four points per game, shooting forty three point two percent from the field, thirty four point seven percent from three on six and a half three point attempts per game, shooting ninety point four percent from the free throw line, eleven point five assists versus four point four turnovers. Like those are those are obscene. Those are obscene numbers. Yeah. The load he has carried for this team this year is I I I look I I was a Garland believer. I like the potential I think was clearly there. I thought the labeling of him as a score first guard was kind of missing the point of what we saw from him in the first two years. This is this is like the top one percent of Darius Garland outcomes that we have seen. And like I like all NBA will be very competitive for him. I I, I like Ja obviously it's gonna be like him and Ja, I think is maybe the best two guys in that class unless Zion kind of comes back and gets his kind of career 
yeah. um, going on the right track at this point because they've clearly been the best two guys. But I, I am, I am also just fascinated by how he, how the Cavs will decide to build with him because I think that one of the beauties of him, and I think this is true for Mobley, but for Garland specifically, he is malleable. You can you you can do stuff with him where he does not have to do what he's doing now. And I would honestly I would advise not to do what you're doing now with him for the forever because it you will wear him down. You will you will limit. I th- I think like his three point shooting could be even better if he's not having to do so much, take so many pull ups. Like if you get a, if you I mean this is the point of Levert. This is the, the theoretical fit of Colin Sexton. This is the the growth of Evan Mobley. One lock this you can have him play off ball. Like one of the deadliest things they they have done of late on offense. Is they'll run something where he b- brings up the ball, passes it off, and he becomes the guy, the shooter in the corner that they kind of have. Co- there's a back screen, or he just slides that way, and teams will forget about him. And it's like, ah, yes, Darius Garland's probably going to stick the, the the wide open corner three because you, they've yeah. forgotten about him, and like that is really useful. And I, I, if they lead into that going forward, I think he gets more efficient. I think he, the tack, the load on him gets a little bit better. And he's he's the guy I think I mean maybe not more than Mobley like maybe they're co leaders in this he's a guy that I I want to see go through a playoff series I want to see him have to deal with like how it, how a, how Philadelphia would game plan for ground one I honestly like even though I don't know I don't necessarily think the series would be competitive uh, like in terms of length. I would like to see like him have to deal with Drew Holiday for a round and just yes, have to navigate yes, that. Yes. Drew Holiday just on him for and have to game plan around that. I would love that for him in terms of his development. That and that's the thing that can help help him get to this this next level that I think is pretty possible. I think losing to Milwaukee would probably be the best outcome for the Cavs in the playoffs, just amongst realistic ones yeah. in terms of gaining experience, just because you're you know, you're getting to a close look at what the the defending champions look like as they're gearing up to go make another run towards it. I want to toss out a hypothetical about Garland here. Hit me. And I'm curious how, how you respond to this, but what does he look like right now? If Ricky Rubio doesn't tear his ACL. Ooh, look, I, I kind of think some of this is the same because I think the beauty of Rubio. And I think the thing that got lost with Rubio is I think his defensive impact was almost more important than his offensive impact. The numbers, the numbers and the, the data would tell you at least indicate that Rubio was like kind of just fine on offense and he was juicing other guys and taking some load off of Darius. But his 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 size as a guard was kind of key. Like his in kind of helping the defense function. And it's why I think those two men lined for them worked. I think obviously like his load would not be as crazy right now. I think you might still see this well, offensive jump, is the thing. Cause I think I think that was already happening with Rubio. And I think I don't necessarily think Rubio's gonna with, like keep him from getting there. I kind of think this no, is what happened anyway. I agree. I'm curious if the jump would have been more. If him oh. having less less of a load on his plate now, maybe his usage numbers aren't as high, and maybe he's not dishing out as many assists per. Well, he might not need to, he might not need to play forty minutes a game. Is the thing exactly? But if you see that, are is he more efficient in the meeting in the minutes that he is playing? Is instead of shooting you know thirty four percent from three since the All Star break, is that number at thirty six or thirty seven? What are those type of differences? Because I think that's kind of where I was going and what I think about because Karis Levert in exchange for Rubio hasn't been as, as advertised. And I know we'll dive into that, but I I do think that it's something worth thinking about, especially if, you know, Rubio is going to be a free agent this off season. And I wouldn't rule out a reunion with the way that it went while he was healthy here. They need a backup point guard for sure. They, They they, like Brandon Goodwin's been fun. I think he's honestly been better than Rondo, but I don't know if that's the locked in answer. And I think some of this logic to some degree, I think applies to Colin Sexton as well. I, I just think Sexton, as a guy that can play with the ball in his hands, but was really transitioning to a different role in support of Garland, 
that would have been, I, I think really, Danny, for me, the biggest what if of this calf season is just that we didn't see how Sexton would have fit as Garland ascended. I, I, I would like to, it, and it makes that, this summer so complicated. It's such a what if, because that one, I don't know what Garland's ascension looks like. It was the thing. The thing. It it was just happening. This yet. Yeah. It it didn't. It was just. I don't know that it gets as far as it does. Yeah. It was just trending in a way that makes like Colin was clearly just in a different role in a way that I found interesting, and I think I wanted the 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 pull and push between those two things would have just been interesting. But the Rubio thing, I I yeah, I will. I would. I really wonder what the Rubio. I would be curious. He even if he can't play from day one next year, I. He would make a ton of sense for them. He really would. I agree. I Depending on the money and like all that, like, yeah. And, the and it, it, I mean, after not wanting to be in Cleveland when he was traded here from Minnesota, you know, getting to have that reunion with Kevin Love, and it, it sure seemed like he really enjoyed his time on the Cavs. It and would be he played, yeah, terrific. Yeah, it would be interesting to see what how the organization grew on him. Um, from when he came in when, you know, as you said, like when he reported a while ago that he did, it was not where he necessarily expected to be. And, you know, it was, it was notable that like before he got hurt and before the Cavs were as good as and everything, like they thought there was like, like the Warriors might look at him if he gets bought out and stuff like that. So it's, it's a, it's, he's another just a while ago that Ricky Rubio played for the Cavs, but uh, Toby's, Toby's doing well back in Spain. All right. After the break, we're going to finish this episode with a little look at Karis LeVert, but first going to tell everyone about our friends at Bilt Bar. Look, people give up on New Year's resolutions, and I understand why. They can be hard. Eating clean isn't always fun, but Built Bar can help you with your New Year's resolutions. They're great-tasting protein bars, the best-tasting protein bars out there, covered in 100% real chocolate, and they're low-calorie, high-protein. Replace your candy bar desires with these. They are better for you. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Built Bars are 140 130 in most cases with 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to, again, a candy bar, and it's just going to be much healthier. There are great flavors too. Mint, brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They are all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. At Built Bar, they are all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, and then figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how, but they seemingly pull it off every time. Go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Again, the promo code is LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, last segment here with Danny Cunningham from WKYC and ESPN 850 in Cleveland. Danny, I'm going to throw some Carousel Vert numbers at you. Nine games with the Caps, 12.3 points per game, 40.5% from the field, a true shooting percentage of 47%, and assist percentage of 21.2. These are not great. They are lower than you would like, and I think obviously the games played is the biggest concern there. This is not the guy that I think the Cavs, in an effort to win games right now, traded a first-round pick for, traded that extra second for, flipped Rubio's expiring contract for. But I, so I want to. But so I want to ask this as someone who is a little. I, I'm a little down on what Levert has brought so far. I'm a little skeptical of what we've seen so far and how this will all work out for this season and and what that leads to in the summer. Is it is that is it fair to ding the trade based on what we've seen so far? And and what where are you at on what Levert has done and, and how are you feeling about the acquisition now? So I'm disappointed um, in what Levert has been for the Cavs, and I, I think you should be disappointed for that. And I understand dinging the trade. I will say I respect the hell out of Kobe for being a buyer at the trade deadline yeah, for a team that, 100%. you know, they were never going to compete for a title. They were never going to really even compete to get into the conference finals. 
But I respect the hell of the fact that he said, you know what, this is a, a good young group. We need to be all in as an organization on this group of players. And, and that's what they did. And Levert, I would love to see how Levert would have adjusted had he not hurt his foot coming back from the All-Star break. If, if he hadn't missed that time, I would love to know what he looks like because he, he hasn't been great, obviously, and throughout his entire tenure with the Caps. But I do think that he struggled to really find his his role because of that. And even on Monday night, you know, he was in foul trouble. He only played, I want to say, 17 he, minutes, he, if he I'm played, not mistaken. He played fewer minutes than Jaddy Osmond, who was in J.B. Biggers' doghouse and bench for two games like a week ago. Yeah, and, and it's been a bummer that it hasn't worked out because Levert historically has had, one, a lot of bad luck. But he's also been somebody that I've enjoyed as a basketball player. You know, I, I love those Kenny Atkinson Nets teams with him and Jarrett Allen and, uh, and D'Lo and, and Spencer Dinwiddie. Just those teams were awesome. And Karis LeVert was such a big part. And he's had such a rough draw of the cards in his career where the, the whole cancer thing. I mean, actually, the first Wolves game I ever covered when I was living in Minneapolis – is when Karis LeVert dislocated his foot. Like, it was disgusting, and it was about 100 feet away from me. And I just, like, you couldn't help but feel for the guy. And then when he hurts his foot again, you're like, come on, man, this just, this stinks. And I don't know how much that impacts it, but I certainly do think it impacts him finding his role, which is his play has been, he's underperformed on the court, but I think being able to find a comfortability factor with the Cavs probably contributes to that a little bit. I, I think it absolutely does. I think we've seen little pockets of him having success. I mean, I think we saw there, there was a stretch in the third quarter of the Lakers game where he had seven points in like two minutes. And you're like, OK, he's finding a rhythm. He's doing carousel vert things in the way you want him to do it. And then he has a couple turnovers where it's like he just kind of gets tunnel vision and and not, we, we've seen some good, I think we've actually seen some good reads from him. We've seen some defensive effort from him that I think is required for a J.B. Bicker staff. Uh, player, frankly, like I don't think JB is gonna he's gonna demand that. And I think that's like you know why Jetty ended up in the doghouse. I don't think you know he's gonna like give Levert thirty minutes, but like I think you brought him in, I think to, to in the hopes that he can be someone that can close with you, and it just hasn't it like hasn't happened that way, and that that I think makes this sort of unfortunately tricky to evaluate. I think the profile of him going forward in terms of getting the best version of him if you're the Cavs. I think it, you have to look at what you saw in Brooklyn. It is a very different offensive system. Those Kenny Atkinson Nets teams moved the ball really well. Yeah, They they were very motion heavy. They played very dynamic offense without like a lead kind of traditional lead creator where Levert kind of did some of that. D'Lo did some of that. Dinwiddie did some of that. The Cavs are a little different in that they are very centered on what DG does and they hunt mismatches with post-ups for, for Mobley, post-ups for Market at times. When Allen's healthy, they'll post-up Allen. They'll do stuff with Kevin. It's a little bit of a different offensive DNA. But Levert, kind of pre these last, probably this year in Indiana when he had real bad tunnel vision and what we've seen in Cleveland so far, um, in his age, like 25, 26 seasons, his assist percentage was much higher, near the top of his relative position in terms of the percentile. Like, that is the kind of thing you want to try to coax out of him. I don't know how you do that, right? Like, I don't know if it's, you know, when Jared comes back, do you run some pick and roll with him and him, Jared? Do you just, him and Kevin Love seem like they could be guys that could have a good two-man game together given time to kind of figure it out. And I think, mm -hmm. like, him and Darius will have to find some chemistry as well because I think them closing and opening things up together at the end of the games will be important if they're going to have, you know, a shot to to win some games in the playoffs here and, and down the stretch, frankly. But that you have to me find a way to coax some of that out of him. And I think if you can get him comfortable in that sense, 
maybe that kind of makes things a little bit easier. Maybe that kind of gets him in a rhythm to, as he gets some comfortability with everyone else, that ever, with everyone around him. Because everyone else kind of, I think, knows how this works. And Lavert is like trying to like whittle himself into the hole to fit, right? Like he's kind of right now like a square trying to yeah. fit into the circle. And it's like, you can see how like maybe this can get fixed, right? You can see how this is maybe going to get some whittled down and and he kind of fits into that 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 hole they're looking at him to fit. But it just hasn't happened yet for, for the reasons I think you, you rightly outlined. Do you think, Chris, that it makes sense still to bring him off the bench? Or do you think maybe changing that role into the starting lineup might help jumpstart him a little bit? I think I think if, if it was not J.B. Bickerstaff, I think it might. I think J.B. is going to say, okay, defense is going to come first. I think Okor's defensive pressure does have a lot of value. And I think right now, in particular, without Jarrett, I think it would be easier to do if you had Jarrett and, and Mobley together. Sure. Then no Jarrett right now, because like the defense just isn't the same without Jared Allen. Evan Mobley is like maybe I think probably the more versatile, more it's in some ways more impactful defender already. But Jared is the back line. Jared is the rim protector. Jared is the yeah. guy that if everything else goes wrong, he's going to try to clean it up and do, do a pretty good job of doing so. Right. Like they it is a useful back line of defense. And right now it's like, OK, you know, I think you're getting quality defensive minutes from from the Lamar Okoro pairing. Um you know, Mobley's still, I think, doing a lot of really good stuff, but it, it, the DNA is just different. Like the their defensive rating in the last couple of weeks, it's it's defense is kind of down in the NBA overall for a variety of reasons late in the season, all that stuff. But the guy's defense doesn't have the teeth that it did when it was like a top five unit. It is still a top ten unit in the season, but it's like about league average the last couple of weeks. And some of that is because Jared Allen's not there. And I think if you were to say, okay, we're gonna start Levert, we're gonna try to force the chemistry with him and. Garland and we're going to like try to milk this. We're going to stagger him and Garland from there. We're going to sub him out early and Okor will come in then and all that stuff. I don't know if that's a thing JB become. I can understand the logic of it. I don't know if that's a thing J that's like in the JB Bickerstaff DNA in terms of how he manages this roster. Yeah. I'm just thinking the, the logic of it does make sense to me. And when you bring up the defense first aspect of it, I totally do get it because Okoro is obviously the stronger defender of the two. And listen, the way he's been shooting the ball from the perimeter Two has been an improvement. I know not as much of an improvement as it maybe feels can, can I, like. Yeah, let me ask you about that because I this is a quick little detour. The vibe on a core shooting feels better. The numbers don't tell us that it is like. I think he's made big shots. I think I, I think, also I think his shot looks different. I I don't like. I yeah. think I think if you go back and watch his shot earlier in the year, it is like a flat like pin missile kind of thing, and now mm -hmm. it's got the arc and it's flowing a little bit better. And he had like a forty five percent corner three point shooting in March. Like the number, I might be a little wrong on that number, but it was really really high. And like I think that or February, excuse me, he was great as a shooter in February. A little worse in March, but it like like he was four or four against the Lakers. And I did, and, and, yeah. and he's hitting shots in big moments. And they're like, like the and they're, you can yeah. see. And the Cavs trusting him. Yeah, they, they, and I they, think that's a big thing for they him. They've run plays with him where he is the he is the release valve, like shooter in the corner for Garland on pick and roll action, and like yes. that was not happening three months ago. And like that, but that, now that it, is it makes yeah. a ton of sense to. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense to do that. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know that you want to remove him from the starting lineup, but if if it means jumpstarting Karis LeVert and getting things to work with him and Garland and making the most out of this acquisition. I think it's something you have to think about. I just don't know that the Cavs have the time to do that because you kind of are who you are in, in late March and, and, and they're, they're fighting and, and for they're, a spot and they're banged up. Yeah. And like nothing is, nothing is ever optimal, but this is like, especially like a little tricky to just, I think you're just trying to like 
finish the year as cleanly as you can. And like that might be a little, that might be rocking the boat like a little too much in terms of trying to find solutions. It's so funny because this is like simultaneously for the Cavs been the season of dreams and the season from hell. Yeah. Yeah. It's been like, like, it's kind of like amazing that like, like obviously lose Sexton for the year, lose Rubio. Mobley was hurt at a time. Jarrett broke his finger. Garland has had that, that back issue and was out. There were some guys in COVID protocols. Like there's, there's been a lot of quorum is sometimes, some sometime. there's been no rhythm and it, they're maybe not as quite snake bitten as like the bulls have been, but like they're, they're up there in terms of teams. That I think have been in back of injury. Danny, I want to end on this. Karis Levert, when he got acquired, it was floated in the Woj in Woj's reporting that he might, he, he, the Cavs and him might look to um, agree to an extension this summer. When he becomes extension eligible, he'll be in the last year of his contract next year. Is there any outcome that would lead you to be comfortable with a, a Karis Levert extension of some kind? I mean, it depends on the money. I think that okay. always has to be the answer. Like, I'm not comfortable giving him the maximum contract that he's eligible for. No. Um, but I'm, I'm not uncomfortable keeping him around because I do think that you know, we talked earlier when we were talking about Garland that you mentioned that this is the 1% outcome for him because it's been that good. We're down near the the bottom end with Lavert. Yeah. Like I would have to expect him being around next year, he's going to be better and he's going to find a fit. And I think having a training camp in Cleveland would be a really good thing for him too. And the fact that you know, when he entered the season in Indianapolis, there was not a thought of playing meaningful basketball. And it can be difficult to switch your mindset from having to play. You're playing for ping pong balls every night for the Pacers. So now you're playing for playoff positioning in Cleveland. And, and that's a difficult mindset to shake, especially when you're injured and you're having to watch and you're trying to learn everything new and new players. And it, it's just a difficult transition, I think. Yeah, look, and I think people, I think maybe Cleveland fans have looked at, like, I, I would say, maybe, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm just, just a guess. They look at, like, 2018 and LeBron, to circle this back, to, to full circle this with LeBron. They get Clarkson, they get Nance, they, they revamp the roster at the deadline, and they make the finals. That is, That's like... so unfair. It, it's like, in-season trades are often very difficult because you have to create all this chemistry. I, you know, as, as people, I, 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 say, I feel like I say this a lot, but it's important. NBA teams don't get to practice that much. It is not... Yeah. It, like the training camp sets the tone for a lot of it. And then you tinker from there and you figure it out. And without that practice time, without, you know, with frankly, without the game time to, to make up for the lack of practice time because you've been injured, it's just kind of hard to figure that out. I think you're probably right about it being a money thing. Danny, thank you so much for coming up. Tell everyone uh, just where they can find you and what you got going on. And we'll, before we get out of here. Uh, on Twitter at Realty Cunningham, just, you know, writing some columns at WKYC, hosting a talk show every night on 850 ESPN Cleveland. So I'm doing a lot of things and just, Trying to find time to hang out with you and Evan at Cavs games, Chris. Yeah, check out check out him and Matt Fontana and all the other stuff Danny is doing at ESPN eight fifty. Um, Danny, it's almost golf season. Hopefully, when this season ends, you and I can go play. We can go play eighteen. You can kick oh, my. Chris, I've already played. Look, I've already played Northeast Ohio. I am extremely jealous. You're gonna kick my ass, but I'm extremely ready. I to, hope so. I'm, I'm, I need to. I need to keep getting better, Chris. Look, we all do. This is the motto here. Well, we'll be back tomorrow. Evan, I'll be back tomorrow. We're gonna play a little stat factor fiction on things like Isaac Okoro. Probably talk about Levert again, and I'll come up with some other fun stuff for that one. But until then, this has been Locked On Caps. Thanks again to Dana for coming on. Everyone, be well. Take really small bites and stay hydrated. <laughs> be well.